is it possible to care too much? And does the way our culture demands empathy and caring from us in any way toxic? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, home for the creative intellectual. I am your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, and self-loathing empath. And with me as always is... And with me as always is my socially, stoically sympathetic co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and... Um, uh, really not a natural empath. <laughs> no, <laughs> not, that is not, one of the places we not really in the least. Yes. Yeah, really not in the least. It's just something I have practiced and tried, and I do believe it's a good thing to be empathetic. I, I know the yep. value of that objectively, but it does not come naturally to me. <laughs> yeah. I am definitely a, that sounds like a you problem. It, does, it is it very much a you problem. <laughs> um, so speaking of which, uh-huh. really on topic, today we're discussing whether or not it's possible to care too much. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we're, this is the episode. Let's move on to the curses. Exactly. Well, at first, to many of us not named Nathan Clarkson, this may seem like a weird question. Because when you look around the world, it seems like almost everyone cares too little, if anything. One glance at the news shows people treating each other horribly, injustice going unaddressed. And we've all seen those horrifying videos of somebody in trouble and people just ignoring them. And it's not just anecdotal. According to Psychology Today, empathy has dropped 40% in college students since the early 2000s, leading psychologists to sound the alarm about the crisis of empathy. Hmm. However, many argue that despite this, our culture actually has a toxic emphasis on empathy and caring. Um, On Hassan Minaj's mental health episode of his show, Patriot Act, he discussed how social media's ability to make us hyper aware of all the problems in the world can lead to compassion fatigue and burnout and advise not caring about some issues. And psychologist Paul Bloom argued in his book, Against Empathy in Our Society's emphasis on sharing and others suffering hurts our ability to help them. And of course, in ancient Mm -hmm. times, the Stoics of ancient Greece argued that happiness was only possible if you actively chose not to care about anything too much. Nathan. Yes. Do you think it's possible to be too caring a person? And what ways, if any, do you think that our society encourages this kind of self-destructive and toxic caring? Well, before I rip apart caring, um, (laughs) I'm going to talk to our audience and say, uh, you should care about (laughs) giving our podcast a review on iTunes or whatever uh, you listen to. So smooth. That is something you should you should drop whatever other cares about the world you have. <laughs> Racism, sexism, <laughs> mental health, justice, drop all of them and care about what really matters, which is giving our podcast review. But I'm serious, give our podcast review. Um, but you to answer your, both. Yeah, you can, you can do both <laughs> to answer your question. That's one more thing to add to the list of things you should care about. Yes. Um, to answer your question, uh, absolutely, without a doubt, um, it is 100% possible to care too much. And I think this is a rising uh, problem that we haven't faced, at least to the degree we face today, merely because of social media. Right. Because, you know, I I, I can't remember the statistics exactly, but we spend hours on our phone scrolling through social media. And I noticed, as I scroll through my social media, um, progressively in the past uh, 10 years, more and more, maybe it's just my age as I've grown, but I, I think it's also a culture, more and more of the posts I see are um, pleas, desperation, requests, and I hate to say it, but guilt trips about different yeah. things you should care about. Um, 
and it gets to be really overwhelming. I actually made a list. I don't have it with me. Um, but about all the different things that in the course of one week that I had been told I have to drop everything and care about, I have to give my resources, my attention, my yeah. work, my everything too. Um, and by the way, these are all worthy things. Oh, yeah. Most of them are worthy important things. Important causes. Yeah. Important people's. Yeah. And I'm not degrading the actual cause. I'm, it's just interesting to me how many there were in one week. I mean, it was, um, it was sex trafficking. It was racism. It was sexism. It was homophobia. It was, um, pro-life. It was pro-abortion. It was, yeah. uh, uh, it just, the, the, the list went on and on and on. And I, and I sat back and thought for a second and went, oh my goodness, if I actually took the time to care about all of these issues, especially to the degree I was being asked or guilty yeah. to in these posts, you know, things like if you don't do something, you're complicit, things like this. Right. Um, if you don't care about this, you're an uncaring person. And I mean, I'm paraphrasing, sure. but that's kind of the heart of a lot of these messages. But I, if I, I would do nothing else with my life or my time. Yeah. Uh, all of my time would spent be, uh, would be spent on all these different things. And then I thought, and actually that would be a disservice to every single one of those things right. I actually cared about. Um, so I, I have thoughts and I have more thoughts and we'll get to it about how to actually interact with this world right. and caring. The, 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 um, the problem solving segment. Yes, <laughs> yeah. but absolutely our world is in a place um, that is basically forcing us, I think the term is com uh, compassion fatigue, yes. into this compassion fatigue in which we're consistently bombarded with guilt and pressure to care about a million different uh, admittedly important issues. And we as humans psychologically, because we are limited, do not know how to handle this and do not know how to do this. Right. There's something we were discussing. We were discussing this topic before I was actually look up, able to look it up. Um, there's a, there's a name for it where, uh, where humans are not able to really have close personal ties and relationships or even just sort of the imagination and emotional capacity to handle relationships with mm. more than 150 people. Oh yeah, yeah, we talked about this on the, on the Overthinkers group, which you should go and check out because we have all sorts of great articles and discussions and we talked about this. Wow, you are doing amazing as yeah. today. <laughs> that's exactly what I have. I'm trying to get them to care about our stuff. <laughs> exactly. No, but I actually looked it up. It's something called uh, Dunbar's Number because yes. it's named after uh, British anthropologist Robin Dunbar who you know came up with that theory, which it seemed to be borne out because they actually did a study about it with Game of Thrones. So they found out that part of the reason it was so popular is it actually had the actual maximum number of relationships in there that you could care about. Really? Yeah, it was like 150 characters that you could um, know their names and care about within the stories. And they probably balanced well which ones were more serious. Exactly. And it goes down, as far as I remember, goes down. Like you yeah. can know like 150 names and something about them, but then the more personal and more, the more you know about someone, right. the less people know. It That's what like really five human beings are built to only handle a certain emotional investment and care for a limited capacity of people and limited capacity actively of care. actively yeah. care. Yes. And it goes the less, you know, you, you care the most about a smaller group and more. And, yeah. and of course we have to differentiate here between sort of intellectual caring where it's like, I believe this is an important issue yeah. and where you put your emotional um, investment in. And that's something that you talked about, you know, is a product partly of social media, the 24 hour news cycle where because partly, like a couple of different things, because partly, you know, the news and social media wants to get a lot of attention, they broaden our horizons to whatever is a national concern yeah. or something like that, and something that's going to get us to pay attention, which is something, you know, fear. And it needs to be concerned. And it's concerned, yeah. something you're concerned Just about. And so that means that 
most of the stuff you're seeing on your social media feed is something that's going to make you excite your passions, make you yes. upset, make you scared, make you something. And it's going to be something that's a natural concern, which is something that you have maybe the least amount of ability to affect. And so you're trapped in something, a situation where your caring mechanism is being activated, but is being activated towards things that you don't necessarily have the ability to affect very much. That's an interesting thing. And I actually, I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm going to add to that. I think one problem is the national caring. These huge problems that you have zero, or not zero, but very a minute amount of influence over. But also I think the other thing I've noticed is that many times people on Facebook, MySpace, Shortface, uh, Instagram, <laughs> oh, dating myself. <laughs> but the people who are posting things, the things that they're saying are of the utmost importance, the most important thing yeah. you should care about are very personal to them. Yes. Which is interesting. Uh, or either personal to them or it aligns with their tribal identity. Sure. Yes. One of those two things. And very often, it's not something that I have a connection or an experience with. And I can, um, I can say that is terrible or that is an issue, um, but it's not something I've experienced. Now, I'm not saying that's an excuse no, to no, do no. something about it, but I do notice that a lot of the things that we say, this is the most important thing, are very per personal to us. There are things in my life that I think are of the utmost importance and I think everyone should care about because I've experienced them and they're very personal to me. We see, and that's the thing is, that's partly why we've developed this way as a, as a society is that, you know, people, we've actually, people have problems that are very personal and that affect them very deeply. Mm. And part of the way that we have found some of those very personal issues to get solved is if you get the whole country behind them. So, you know, for example, you mean, you know, resources, money, resources, money. I mean, obviously the, the example I've ever used is like, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement is, you know, part of the reason that those problems got solved was that they got the whole national attention behind them. Yeah. And so because that was so successful and rightly successful, to a certain degree, we've created an arms race of, you know, compassion issues. It's like a free market yeah. for compassion because the more attention one thing gets yeah. uh, by celebrities, by posting, by, by news, by media, uh, even in, in TV shows and movies, the more money it will get yes. and the more attention and the better. Uh, the problem might get more likely to get solved. So it is really this free market of compassion. So it's not just that people are asking to care, it's basically they're selling to yes. you to buy your attention and your care right. and your money. And just like in the free market, a lot of these things are really good and really important. Yes. But the problem is they are maxing out people's capacity for empathy in a way that is harmful to their mental health and doesn't always actually get a good result. Which is a critique of capitalism and sure, uh, yeah. materialism. I mean, you can only have so much yeah. and you only need so much. That's, excellent. That's an excellent point as well. Another thing that I find is a problem with the way compassion works in this age is that it is often used, it, it, not, it often makes the people who are most likely to, I find at least, most likely to engage in um, saying, okay, we need to be compassionate about this cause or that cause. It tends to make people more nasty, I find. Interesting, how? Well, because it tends to make them say, okay, this is an issue, again, it's the most important mm -hmm. issue. And anybody who doesn't agree with, you know, it doesn't agree it's the most important issue or doesn't agree with my solution oh, we'll is a bad person. Is oh, a bad person. And they're the least likely people I found to be able to entertain another point of view. And so it's in some ways people who are most likely to engage in this um, uh, compassion sort of arms race 
are the least empathetic people because they're least likely able to see another point of view than they are. Well, and they've decided um, who is and who isn't good based upon this metric of, do you care about this thing that's very important right. to me? And again, I want to reiterate, most of these issues we're talking yes. about, not all, but most <laughs> of them are actually important and should be addressed. Now, there's two things I want to touch on. Please. One is I want to talk about the psychological ramifications of what happens to people, to a society, uh, when you have this compassion fatigue, especially yes. in long periods of time. What, what havoc will it wreak, if any? Yeah. And so my, my thought in this is, if I've just noticed myself anecdotally, um, the times I have felt the most pressure, given the most, uh, uh, felt the most manipulated and end up doing these things over and over again uh, to a myriad of causes, and I, I have given, 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 uh, given money, given time, doing these things, I end up wearing myself out. Right. And I end up burning myself out to a point where I say, you know what? I don't care right. anymore. Don't care anymore. Don't care anymore. Yeah, I guess I should, but I don't. And I'm not going to care. And I'm going to be selfish. It pushes me. And I'm not, I'm not justifying this behavior. Sure. This is, you know, these are my choices. But I get to a point where I try to care about so many things. I try to give my time and my effort and my money and my attention to so many things that eventually, because I'm human and limited, I psychologically burn out into a place where I go, I don't care anymore. Yes. And I think a lot of this, a lot of the social media and, and media in general, pushing all of these different things that we're supposed to care about will eventually push a lot of people to be desensitized to empathy, to actually caring. And I think eventually you're going to push an entire culture to a place where they go, I don't care anymore. Well, Whatever happens to those people, that's their problem. And that's a really unfortunate thing. And so I think you actually um, end up hurting uh, the, the, the goal you're trying to achieve. I wonder actually, because you see these rates of the dramatic decline in empathy. I wonder if that's one of the big reasons is because we have this compassion. Well, I was wondering that too. Yeah. You, said, you said it went down? Yeah, it went down. Empathy has gone down. By since 40, the rise by 40% since the 2000s. Since the rise years. of, uh, and correlation is equal causation, but since the rise of social media and everything being a yeah. political or social movement. Yeah. No, so I mean, again, again, we can't confirm that this is actually the case, but I would be mm. strongly, because so that's how I feel in my life. When I feel like I, again, there's too many things. There's too And I'm being to some degree manipulated. Yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, okay, you are trying to use this in order to get me, or I'm just burned out because I don't. This is the other thing that is a component in this. I don't have time to do all of the research to know whether or not the person who's coming at me with their solution actually has the right solution to the problem. That's interesting because too. I'm exhausted just doing research to make sure that I'm not being hoodwinked. Well, that happened with a few, and I'm not going to name, name no, them, no. but that happened because there's a, you know, one of my things that I particularly interested and care about is mental health. And this right. happened a while ago with a large mental health organization and everyone just assumed, yeah, yeah, sure. Just give money. They're doing good work. Yeah. And they were, you know, I can't remember exactly, but let's just say the money was not being handled well and very little that actually went to helping is like a very small percentage of the money, the funds actually yeah. went to helping the cause they say they're about and mostly just went to- That's a great example. That happens all the time. Yeah. So that's interesting that you don't actually have the time to research, even though you're caring, if this is the best way to care. Exactly. And Chris, you know, kind of pulling back, one of the things, you know, I mentioned the Stoics at the beginning, but one of the things that Christianity brought to the world along with Mahayana Buddhism, although there's some indication, there's some debate about whether or not 
Christians pass it on to Mahayana Buddhists, but mostly people say Christians and Mahayana Buddhists brought the idea of compassion into the world. Mm. That it brought the idea that um, that part of a virtue is to suffer with others and to have emotional investment in care in the well-beings of others, as if it, and to suffer them as if the suffering was their own. That was one of the moral um, elements that Christians and Buddhists did bring. And so this is a virtue that. Christians believe in that as a part of our Judeo-Christian mm. culture, and that is a value. And so I think there is something positive about it, but there is a sense of which is being maxed out right now in well, a way that's that, – and also it's not being directed in a way that's effective. Well, and it always comes through um, – it seems now that it comes through uh, political action or giving lots of money sure. or on these big levels. You know, if you want to solve homelessness – you know, you have to go and be a part of this political movement or fight for a bill. Right. Those things are good, by the way. I'm not, yeah, again, I'm not blocking those. But what it never really gets to is the personal everyday sure. yeah. um, aspect. And that's something I want to talk about. How do we live in yeah. this world while well, still believing yeah. to care? Um, and so I guess what, what I have found in my world is ignoring the voices on social media, right? Yeah. Ignoring, say, but not to a place where I go, who cares? Right. Um, I think that all of us are in unique contexts, yeah. cultures, people, places. And I think as Christians or as humans, really, yeah. we are called to minister. And that's a Christianese word yes. uh, for, for help, for love, to yep. give out, uh, use compassion, be serving, be generous. We are called to minister to our, our immediate service. Yes. In, so, uh, with the amount of resources we um, are given. Uh, so it, it's more of an immediate thing. So meaning... Yes, giving to um, making laws and giving to huge things for homelessness is incredibly important. But what about the person down the street from you who right. could use a hot meal or a place to stay? Right. And so it's interesting that a lot of people are ignoring their own yeah. uh, quote unquote neighborhoods while um, while all posting something online. And I'm going, I think if you had a nation or a world, and this is utopianism, I get it. But if you had a nation or a world where everyone was was helping in the immediate the world that, yes. they live within yep. their arms reach that you would see the entire world be helped. Yeah, no, I think that's an excellent point. And this, this, uh, this goes back to, um, there's a Stanford neuroscientist, I believe pronounced Jamal Zaki, who's the author of The War for Kindness. And what was amazing was that person said that, was talking about how you balance, you know, the need to care without getting fed compassion fatigue. Okay. And one of the things that they said was fascinating is that actually, doing something that helps someone else and they're, you're able to see mm. a positive result for it actually gives you energy back. So it actually has, you, it is a, a symbiotic. Thing. Exactly. It doesn't so just drain you, it also pours Precisely. The thing is be, caring about something and not seeing, able to see any results and not actually able to do anything about it completely drains you. But if you're actually able to engage in activities that you can see concretely help, well, and I think that's human. When we yes. can look in the eyes of someone yeah. who we bought a meal for or counseled or loved or comforted or whatever it might be, we can actually, um, I don't know how to say, but there's a real visceral thing that happens yeah. when we act this out personally. Right. And so I think, you know, doing, I think one of the things I try to do is I try to do research on the causes that are important to me that I think are, are good. And then when I will do that, and do enough research to know what's going to be effective, help, helping effectively, what I believe is going to be helping effectively, then finding some local way to actually make and that actually, yeah. actually make that right. Because like there are organizations that can help. If you're, you know, again, if your cause is like, you know, 
um, fatherlessness or, or, you know, children mm. helps, then their organization is probably your neighborhood that can yeah. help with that. And you can get involved personally to do something with that. You know, if just getting involved in your church or whatever organizations near you, you'll be able to find networks of people Absolutely. who, and it's like, you know, if you're, if you're again, concerned about things like racial justice and racial harmony, it's like finding ways to make your own church a place that's more likely for that to happen well, and finding a, a very way, important way, not just nationally. 100% locally. agree, but even more locally, finding a way to make yourself less prejudiced. Yes. What are the prejudices I face every day personally? I'm not, of course the systemic ones are big and important and there need to be people on the front lines of that, but, but starting with the personal and say, how am I contributing to something that is uh, prejudice? How am I contributing to something that is un- unjust? What, what can I do today in my immediate choices? But here, and here's something else I also do is again, going along with what I said earlier um, about realizing that I'm limited yes. and realizing that, that I have been placed in a particular set of contexts, uh, stories, culture, people, yeah. and realizing that it's okay for me to value a few things yeah. really highly. And to say, these are things that are important to me. I can't fight everything, but I will be a part of the fight to better the world, to bring redemption to it on a whole by choosing these few things that are really important to me. They're really natural to my story that, that uh, coincide with what, with what I'm naturally good at, what I naturally care about. You know, like mine, a few of mine are um, mental health are helping uh, men discover who we were created to be and, and fighting this, uh, the unhealthy versions of men. It's um, helping people discover their lives in stories and psychologically uh, understand art and creativity. Those things are really, really important to me. And those are the things I have been with and I have the ability to help in my immediate, in the immediate, um, in my, in my immediate reach. Now, what we can also do, what, what I also do is I look at other people around me. I have mm-hmm. friends who are uh, fighting racial injustice or fighting uh, for women's issues or fighting overseas for, yeah. um, for, for, for poverty. Or, or I have friends who are uh, fighting homelessness. Um, and what I can do is I can say, I, I trust them. And because yeah. of their stories and their context, they are better equipped to lead the fight against those things and to help those things. So I can support my friends in their passions and the, and the things that they feel empathetic for. And what's, what's amazing is that because you have those personal relationships with them, you do trust them to be able to yes. actually, um, and so you can support them. And that circumvents the problem of, I don't know if I trust this person enough to give money oh, that's interesting. or give yeah. or do the research. Like, no, I know that you have good judgments. So if you're saying this, this is a solution to it, or if you think this is, then I'm actually going to be able to trust you with this. And so being local and being involved with real people, real communities that you trust mm. makes you more able to actually expand your reach. Actually, one thing that I'm realizing is that in Acts 6 in the Bible, they were dealing with the same problem because the church was getting too big. And so people were not actually being adequately taken care of. Interesting. And what they did is they actually set up local people in those communities to help give them, get their needs met. Interesting. Because they're like, look, we're the, like, they're the 12 of us apostles. We can't, you know, be helping everyone all the time. So we're going to find people that you trust in your communities who are going to be able to help you that we can be able to support. And by the way, there are people who are much better equipped to speak on racial issues than me. So many more. And women's issues, a guy, and um, and poverty. There are a million different issues that I shouldn't be speaking on, speaking up about. Right. But I can support those who should be because I trust them and their character. And I think when we have a 
a community and hopefully a nation, hopefully a world in which people are individually caring for the things that break their heart and they can do and they have bandwidth and ability to affect, then you'll see all the issues begin to get yeah. uh, paid attention to. Now, this obviously... We live in a fallen world. I don't know how some that's going to happen. We've solved the whole problem. Just listen to us. Everything will be okay. <laughs> but I do think I want to free up any listeners to say yeah. it is okay that you have a few things that you really care yes. about and you can feel support and you can give support to the other people who are caring for other things that yeah. you might not be able to or even should in the ways that they are. But I think that's a really good strategy yeah. is finding what are the things in your life that you can affect right now without overextending yourself that you actually care about um, while supporting um, from afar other people who are doing the same in their lives. Yeah. Worlds. You're not a bad person because you can't do it all. You're just a person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're just a Well, and I find that I wonder as we're talking about this, a lot of times, you know, there's, I, I still feel that twinge of guilt as I read all these Facebook yeah. uh, things. You should be doing this. You should be caring about this. You should be doing this or caring about this or this, you know, list goes on and on and on. And I wonder if a lot of the people and my friends who post these things are posting that because they do feel guilty and it's uh, for not doing it. And they imagine that if they post this, that will be a check mark for they, they yeah. did something. And so I think it's actually guilt and um, empathy fatigue is actually uh, feeding, is actually causing people to post more, which causes more uh, empathy fatigue. Yeah. Because a lot of the times I see people posting is out of guilt and is out of I check something off yeah. as opposed. Uh, to what are the things that are really important to you and affecting yeah. those and supporting those without other things. Find the things that you're passionate about that are important that God has put on your heart to change and make the world better. And then find, get to know people, other people and develop relationships that you can support in whatever they are doing. Exactly. That is the best way we've found, I found to be compassionate fatigue while also being a person who loves my neighbor. Yes, I 1000% agree. Awesome. But, but the most important thing you should do is leave us a review and support, and support the podcast. If you, if you don't care if about that, pick you're, one thing, if you're going to pick one thing, it's awesome. that is in your reach. And if you don't give us a review, exactly. five stars, if you don't give us a five star review, you are a bad person. Uh, we have become what we hate. <laughs> um, but please, give us a five star review. We really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> So that, I think, unless you have something else, moves us on to blessings and curses. Let's do it. Awesome. So uh, what would be your blessings? Do you want to go first? Go yeah, first? no, I'll go first. Cool. cool. So um, I'm going to bless this movie that came out. Actually, I don't know when it came out. It came out in the 2000s at some point. Um, I think maybe like 2010 or 12. Um, but everyone did not like it. No one liked <laughs> it. Uh, but I did. And listen, uh, there's probably a reason it got low reviews and no one really liked it. But there was something in it that connected with me and my story. So mm -hmm. this is uh, not objective, but it is uh, very subjective. But mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. I had Aaron Eckhart and um, dare um, oh, the Friends girl, Jennifer Aniston. Aniston. Aniston in it. But it essentially was about a man who had something very incredibly tragic and traumatic happen in his life. And instead of healing from his pain, instead of focusing on his pain, oh, that's something we didn't even talk about. Um, instead of focusing on his own pain, he ended up uh, becoming a self-help guru. And so he started uh, helping yeah. everyone else and doing things and staying on stage while he was dying inside and having a, a mental breakdown behind the scenes. 
And I think it's such a great picture, at least a good picture, a picture I enjoyed um, about the reality of when we focus on everything and outside of, of, of taking care of all these issues that we see in our day all the time, everyone else, that very often we are ignoring the real heart issues and destructive things that are going on inside of us. Um, so I thought it was really interesting. Um, I, I enjoyed the movie. So I, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, and you might enjoy it as well. It's not, it's not the best cinema. It's not, it's not great art necessarily. Well, it, no, I don't want to say that. It's not the Mona Lisa. It's not yeah, the Sistine Chapel. Yeah. But I enjoyed it and I, and I get, got something from it and it's called Thank You for Caring. Uh, my curse will be all of social media right now. <laughs> I am pretty close to just um, deleting all my social media accounts, not because I don't care, not because I don't think there are issues that I should care about in the world, just because the way people are going about it and the guilt and the manipulation is getting to be uh, making me mentally fatigued yeah. uh, very often. And so very often I find I won't even go on a lot of these sites anymore because it actually affects my ability to care. So yeah, I am um, to care and to help. And so I, uh, I'm cursing all of social media. And except for our Facebook group. Yeah, except for our <laughs> Facebook group. That I will go on. Uh, we usually try to avoid um, any guilt posts. Yes. Um, Those and, are fairly quickly deleted. But actually, a real quick plug, if you do want a place on the, in the internet that isn't going to have tons of guilt, that will have zero political uh, yellings, and we're just talking about fun, interesting questions and have great memes and, um, uh, uh, memes and articles and discussions, please join our private Facebook group called The Overthinkers. We have five, over 500 people now. We're having a blast. There are people like you who care about all these big questions and fun things. There's a great sense of humor. And, uh, but there's also a depth. So please head on over to the Overthinkers group on Facebook after you read this review. Um, but those are my blesses and curses. Awesome. So I'm going to bless uh, two things, a book and a television show, uh, particularly a television show episode, actually. Um, so I'm first going to bless Out of the Silent Planet by C.S. Lewis. Okay. And uh, I love the whole um, sci-fi trilogy by C.S. Lewis. But what I'm going to bless uh, Out of the Silent Planet particularly, because there was a scene in there that really resonated with me. Um, by a sort of angelic alien uh, figure who is ex talking, speaking to the um, Ransom, who is the, the protagonist of the story. And one of the things he says in there, Tim, is to take comfort in your smallness because mm. it is too big for you. And because that's one of the things is, is, is C.S. Lewis is critiquing a sort of a utopian um, idea that we can remake the world in the image of heaven. And he does that a lot. And so he, one of the things he doing in there is really helped me to say, look, it is okay that you can't do everything and that you can't save the world by yourself and to actually not see that as a, a bug in you, but it's actually a feature. The fact that you're limited and can only do a few things, that's how God made us. To and be. it's okay to accept that. Yeah. And I will point out, I probably should have said this earlier, also, um, you know, when Jesus came to save the world, but how did he do it? Mm. He did it by touching one blind man here, yeah. by ministering to a woman here. Um, it was through small, personal interactions. It wasn't through these huge, you know, it was through very uh, small down uh, and, and meaningful interactions um, that he ended up changing the entire world. And then when he got overwhelmed, he said, let's go over here and get but some that's rest. The thing. He yeah. actually, he's like, I'm going to peace out now. Yeah. All these people want stuff from me. I'm going to get in the boat. I'm, yes. I'm heading out. Yeah. So if Jesus got on the if boat. Jesus can get tired. <laughs> get, get compassion get fatigue. Get compassion fatigue. You're allowed, you to, well. You're allowed, You're allowed to. to get on a boat. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> if you don't have a boat, do the equivalent. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a boat. That's a new cause. Everyone <laughs> should have boats. Exactly, exactly. Uh, hashtag boats. Um, 
Hashtag votes, votes, votes. I mentioned Ryan reference. Um, but uh, then the other show I'm going to is actually Sherlock. Because there's a scene in, I believe, the third episode of the, of the first season of Sherlock, where, um, where they, Sherlock and Watson have a conversation where John Watson is actually angry at Sherlock because he's not upset and heartbroken at the people who died. He's actually able to move on from that grief a lot quicker than John Watson is. And Sherlock is like, look, if I, he actually says this, he says, look, if I spend time being broken up about it, that's time I'm not able to actually spend um, helping other people. And Watson actually, it actually affects his ability to help other people. Because he Because did. he is, and because he finds a moral self-righteousness in oh. being emotionally upset. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with you if you're emotionally upset. Yes, there is. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with you if you're emotionally upset. But the kind of moral self-righteousness, I'm a better person than you if I'm more upset than you, they actually critique that within the show Sherlock. And so that was something that I actually very much appreciate. Well, and it sounds a little bit like, um, it also reminds me of, and this is kind of another bus, I guess, but the uh, Bruce Almighty scene where he's trying oh, to answer yes. everyone's emails yep. and everyone's it's just prepared. too much and he can't do it. Yes. Because he, and yeah, and, and, and he has an interesting conversation with God about yeah. that. No, exactly. That's absolutely true. Um, so then I'm going to uh, curse uh, the um, Christian film, The Second Chance. <gasps> yes. I'm going to curse the Christian you film. Attacking one of our own? Yeah. Well, it's not like we don't do that every <laughs> single episode. Um, but I actually watched this when I was very young and it had a very, harmful effect on me because what it, it's you know, a story about, you know, a, a pastor in a rich neighborhood, a pastor in a poor neighborhood. And it's really about trying to get Christians to care more about justice issues of, of poverty and race and things like that. But one of the things it did there is spent a whole bunch of time on sort of guilt tripping the audience without actually giving realistic action steps for things to do about it. Mm. It was all action steps were very pie in the sky very like Christian films tend to do. And so it only left you with the guilt. It didn't leave you anywhere for you to go with it. And for like a young, just barely pubescent boy, like that was a very difficult thing to deal with. Happily, I had parents who were able to walk me through it and be like, look, they're being stupid with how they but handled it. But you were it. feeling guilt. But I was feeling guilt without actually a positive well, outlet for it. Uh, religion, Christianity can, if it's not careful, be very um, in danger of... Uh, giving guilt to our young ones and about not doing so. It can become a moralistic philosophy right. very quickly. I still have flashbacks that <laughs> if, if you get on a plane and you sit next to someone and you don't share Christ with them, they're going to hell. Yeah, and it's and, your fault. And I would sit on the plane, you know, as a 13-year-old kid and, you know, there's a 55-year-old woman next to me and I'm going, if I don't, if I don't tap her on the tree and share Jesus with her, she's going to hell and it's all my fault. And things we think about that only, the only like fundamentalists like do that kind of guilt tripping yeah. in religion, but it does work in sort of more, some of the more, you know, uh, acceptable causes as well. Well, guilt is a pretty powerful motivator. It is a powerful motivator, which is why people use it. Um, but, but only I, to a degree. Only to a degree, exactly. It eventually is destructive. Yes. In what, in, it does it. I also, I'm going to curse one more thing because I'll even it out, do two plus two curses. I'm going to curse the movie Unpregnant, which is an HBO movie for a very specific reason. Yes, it's a you know a story about a, a young woman who goes across the state lines in order to get an abortion. But one of the things that it does oh, wasn't it unborn or something. It's unpregnant is the one I'm talking. About. Okay, okay. There's there's a bunch of them. It's, it's <laughs> a whole genre now. Yeah, okay. It's a whole right, genre. It is. Yeah. It's a whole genre now, which maybe we'll talk about at some point. But the thing here is that I really didn't like about it is that it, again it was wanting you to care about these people and their particular issue 
but and and you know and their struggle and which would and which is totally you know empathy and compassion for particular people and their struggle but what it did then was that it made you then it said that the way to handle that is to hate people who think differently uh-huh. it was like this is how you handle it you do physical violence toward them yell at them be mean to them dehumanize them that was their solution to um have compassion for us and hate people that we disagree with and it's pretty much like what we've been doing for the past few thousand years. Yes. And like, but it's a very toxic and very, just it's yeah. everything bad about what we do now regarding match. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, that's a pretty good blessings and curses lineup. Nice. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, Nathan, if people want to reach you, reach us, what should they do? Um, if they want to, and, uh, as long as he's still on social media, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see for how long. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you want to reach us, you can go to the overthinkersjournal.com, read more about us. Uh, hopefully we'll have some new articles up and, uh, just connect with us. You can, you can, there's a place you can write us an email. We'd love to hear your feedback and thoughts on what you thought about our, uh, this episode or past episodes or what you want to hear about in future episodes. So the overthinkersjournal.com. If you want to get in touch with me, you can search Nathan on any social media, Nathan Clarkson on any social media or go to my website at nathanclarkson.me. Joseph, how can people awesome. get in touch with you? You can find me on all the socials, Joseph Holm. 